Let us pray. O eternal King, you came humble and mounted on a donkey to bring us your glory and salvation. Thank you for such grace. We confess that we often judge things by appearances and would so create our own plan, condemning yours. Let your work be for our salvation and give us the faith to receive it. In your name, amen. Dear fellow redeemed, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for our meditation this morning is the Holy Gospel appointed for Palm Sunday, the Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 21st chapter beginning at the first verse. Please rise in Jesus' name. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, telling them, Go to the village ahead of you. Immediately you will find a donkey tied there along with her colt. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you are to say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king comes to you humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did just as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their outer clothing on them, and he sat on it. A very large crowd spread their outer clothing on the road. Others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them out on the road. The crowds who went in front of them and those who followed kept shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up asking, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. These are your words, Heavenly Father, sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. <clears throat> in this nation, we're not too familiar with the concept of a king. When the United States declared independence from Great Britain, the founding fathers gave a list of injustices perpetrated by King George III, summarized in this, that that king sought the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. <clears throat> In short, <clears throat> he was a wicked king who sought his own gain and not the good of his subjects. We might make a distinction between him and Jesus, not that Jesus is a worldly king who takes the place of King George, President Biden, or any earthly government, but that Jesus is our triumphant king who comes not for his own glory, but for the salvation of his people, of you and me. He comes fulfilling God's plan in this, and he does so by coming in humility. The apostle tells us clearly this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. And we hear the quotation from Zechariah chapter 9. Miraculously, Jesus set things in motion so that he would present this precise picture. Go to the village ahead of you, he told his disciples. Immediately you will find a donkey tied there along with her colt. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you are to say the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. I wonder about those owners. St. Matthew doesn't tell us about the conversation the disciples had with them, but Saints Mark and Luke do. As they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, Why are you untying the colt? They said, The Lord needs it. 
The disciples answered them just as Jesus had instructed them, and the men let them go. Probably the owners were disciples of Jesus. Probably they had heard Jesus preach, witnessed his miracles. They believed he was the Messiah. They might have even known Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Perhaps they were even present at Lazarus' resurrection. They might have even been among that crowd who went ahead into Jerusalem after having this conversation in order to let people know that Jesus was coming. That's all speculation. What is certain is that this is a plan that God laid out. He made all these things work together to this moment. It might be that he caused this donkey to be sold to these owners for this purpose. The mother, the Jenny, possibly had even given birth to this colt around the time Jesus was baptized, given the approximate age of the colt. They lived at this precise spot where Jesus would pass by with his disciples before entering into that city so that preparations would be made and God's plan would come to fulfillment. And it's not just that one prophecy from Zechariah. God manipulated all of this like a chessboard, arranging the pieces into a perfect checkmate. Hear the song the crowds sang, Hosanna to the Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They were singing portions of Psalm 118. O Lord, please save us now, which in Hebrew is Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Just before that, in that psalm, the line is sung, This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Fulfillment is what that means. This is the day that the Lord has planned for all of these things to come to fulfillment. This is the day that he will fulfill the salvation that he promised. And that goes back to all sorts of other prophecies from Genesis itself. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He will crush your head and you will crush his heel. Here was fulfillment. On this day, the seed of the woman was here to crush the serpent's head. The prophet Malachi had said, Look, the day is coming, burning like a blast furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise, and there will be healing in its wings. And Moses had spoken God's words, I will raise up a prophet for them among their brothers like you, And I will put my words into his mouth, and he will speak to them everything that I command him. Here is that day. We pray in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come. Jesus had been preaching the coming of the kingdom for three years. Now, here it came with him into Jerusalem, the king's city. Part of what we mean, though, by that petition asking the kingdom to come is that the last day would come certainly that's referred to by malachi as well so when we speak of the day it's the last day that we mean but that last day itself is only the conclusion the wrapping up of this day this is the day where it begins palm sunday the kingdom came in god's promises fulfillment. 
And that itself leads to the coming of the kingdom on the last day. Because all who hold to this king in faith will hold on to him for eternity. A pathway was made for this king by those who spread their outer clothing on the road or those who were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them out on the road. By that pathway, he could make his way to the heart of the city. By what pathway will this king come into your heart? He must be believed. He must be accepted as king. This event reflects another event in the Old Testament, yet another part of God's plan here now coming to fulfillment. When David was old, his oldest living son, Adonijah, tried to take the throne. Many people supported Adonijah, but when David heard about it, he gave this command, Have my son Solomon ride on my own mule and bring him down to the Gihon Spring. There Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet are to anoint him as king over Israel. Then you are to blow the ram's horn and say, Long live King Solomon. This worked. Those who followed Adonijah turned and followed Solomon. Adonijah himself bowed to him at that time. The proclamation of the king made the new king secure. The people didn't simply quote Psalm 118, you notice, on Palm Sunday, but they called Jesus also the son of David. He fulfilled this picture. He is the new Solomon, David's greater son. We would like to set up other kings as our own. Each of us has an idol that we would build in Jesus' place and set up in our hearts, whether it's family, comfort, money, ourselves, or anything else. But the true God speaks his word, and he paves the way of faith into our hearts. These hearts of stone are eroded by the floodwaters of baptism so that the king of glory will come in. Our outer clothing means nothing, but serves him who clothes us with himself in this sacrament. The lively branches of palm trees prefigure the life that he would give by placing himself on a tree. So you see this plan of God's coming to fruition, bringing you Jesus, our triumphant king, and how incredible it is that he comes in such humility. In lowly pomp, ride on to die, sings the hymn. The crowds who sang Hosanna would in five short days shout crucify him. And that might seem ironic, But that was God's plan too. Jesus came to conquer, but it would not be a victory as anyone would expect. The psalm they were singing showed this conclusion too, because after the bit they sing comes the line, bind the festival with branches as far as the horns of the altar. Jesus' path was clear. Those branches would lead him straight to become the sacrifice given for sin. Many were in Jerusalem for a festival that was to come later that week, the Passover. You remember how that went. Nine plagues had afflicted Egypt as God made his testimony to Pharaoh and demanded that his people be freed. Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and one more plague would come, the death of the firstborn. God instructed Israel through Moses to take one lamb per household. 
Your lamb must be unblemished, a year old male. You may take it from the sheep or the goats. You are to keep it until the 14th day of this month. Then the whole assembly of the Israelite community is to slaughter the lambs at sunset. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses, for they eat the lamb. For on that night I will pass through the land of Egypt. I will strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both people and animals. Against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. There will be no plague among you to destroy you when I strike down the land of Egypt. And from that time on, each year the Israelites commemorated this, eating the same feast, recalling how God had saved them and promised them life, how he had purchased them for himself, and they slaughtered their lambs each year. And here rode Jesus, the Lamb of God, as St. John the Baptist had called him, who takes away the sin of the world. This is why St. Paul was keen to write to the Philippians, though he was by nature God, he did not consider equality with God as a prize to be displayed, but he emptied himself by taking the nature of a servant. When he was born in human likeness and his appearance was like that of any other man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Why would he humble himself in this way? He came under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we would be adopted as sons. God made him who did not know sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God erased the record of our debt brought against us by his legal demands. This record stood against us, but he took it away by nailing it to the cross. This is Jesus' triumph, a triumph in humility. He was lowered to our place. Just consider this when we evaluate our own self-importance. For if someone thinks that he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. That's what we always do. It's what Adam and Eve did. They wanted to be like God. It's inherited by all people, you and me included, because even though they knew God, they did not honor him or give him thanks as God. Instead, their thinking became nonsense, and their senseless heart was darkened. Though they claimed to be wise, they have become fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human or like birds, four-footed animals, and crawling things. Such people have traded the truth about God for the lie, worshiping and serving the creation rather than the creator, who is worthy of praise forever. Amen. We might not build idols of wood or stone, but we do erect those idols in our hearts. Every time we think that we have contained everything there is to know about God and we become unwilling to be taught, we've made ourselves greater. Every time we decide that although God has commanded a certain thing, we would rather live our lives the opposite way, thinking we're not hurting anyone. We've then made our own law greater than God's. I mean, any sort of life, a life of sexual impurity, a life of laziness or greed, a life of gossiping or anything else contrary to what God has said. When some asked this Palm Sunday, who is this? The crowds were saying, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. 
Matthew had pointed out early in his biography of Jesus how he fulfilled the words of the prophets. He will be called a Nazarene. Nazareth was a city despised. This Jesus, although a great prophet, was likewise to be despised, lowly, unremarkable, humiliated. While all men exalt themselves, Jesus would be ground into the dirt. And that he did for you. This almighty God at first is foolishness to those who are perishing, but once he has toppled the idols in our hearts and given us faith in him, to us who are being saved, the cross is the power of God. Jesus went into this humiliation, suffering mortal pain, thereafter to take his power and reign. And he has accomplished a new Passover, shedding his own blood to redeem us. He's given us also a new meal of remembrance in which we eat his very body and drink his very blood. Foolish, humble, that seems. But it is the power of God. This Jesus is no tyrant king. He's a humble king who comes in fulfillment of promise, who triumphs, giving you the victory, forgiveness, and eternal life. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.